Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Stuck at home with nothing to read and unable to browse the bookstore? Let us help. Tell TBR about your reading preferences and what you're looking for, and sit back while your Book Riot bibliologist handpicks recommendations just for you. TBR offers plans to receive hardcover books in the mail or recommendations by email, so there's an option for every budget. TBR is produced in partnership with Print, a bookstore in Portland, Maine, so you can treat yourself and support an indie too. Visit mytbr.co to sign up today. That's mytbr.co. Hello, and welcome to One in Romance, a really great place to listen to people talk about romance and maybe pick up some thoughts or share thoughts with us. <laughs> I would buy that t-shirt with our slogan on it. <laughs> <laughs> really long one. Still on board. This is episode 58. 58. We are recording on Friday, May 1st, 2020. Oh, May Day indeed. And I am Jess. And I am Trisha, and I am delighted to spend this second night in a row with you, Jess. Me too. Me too. We had um, some technical difficulties. I did. I had some technical difficulties last night. So we've actually <laughs> recorded this episode before. We had like a dress rehearsal. Yeah. Well, we, we made it almost all the way Yeah, through, we were but... pretty close, though. We were <laughs> solidly 90% of the way there. And then I lost all my audio and my file disappeared. So I feel like that was our dress rehearsal. Today, main stage, ready to go. We're excited. Ready to go. We are excited. And actually, this is kind of exciting because if we had done this yesterday, eh, for real, only, you would not have been able to talk about what you spent the last couple of hours doing. I would not. And I am excited to hopefully express thoughts that make sense. Um, And I will do it very quickly because we have quite the episode for you all today. I went to Loyalty Bookstore's first date night with Alyssa Cole, um, which is, I hope, going to be a very, very regular, ongoing, forever thing, because it was great. It was obviously a virtual event, because who's going anywhere? And um, it featured uh, Alyssa Cole having a really great chat with Rebecca Weatherspoon, Mia Sosa, and Sharina Harris, who was a Last minute replacement for Beverly Jenkins. I, uh, you might have seen or heard that she had multiple deaths in the family just this past week. Um, so she probably wanted to take some time with herself and her family. Um, but Sharina was a great replacement and I am so glad that I got to see her face and hear her words because now I would like to read more of her words. But it was a really great hour and a half of conversation about books and writing and reading and watching and amazing people being both amazing and really dorky at the same time, which is part of their amazingness. Um, and if you haven't done one of these uh, virtual author events, they are definitely worth checking out. I usually share about them if I find them, but if you come across one that is run by, say, an indie bookstore like this one, which I am familiar with because it is in my hometown, um, shoot it my way so that I can make sure more people know it exists, um, especially if it's free. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. And when you share them, Jess, where do you share them? I share them, well, I share them in multiple places, but I compile them on Kissing Books, my regular twice-weekly newsletter for Book Riot. So if you subscribe to that, you might have seen them. If you don't, come hang out. My words are great. Yeah. Even in writing. They're better in writing, actually. I mean, <laughs> both are great. Like, why compare two wonderful things? <laughs> That's like saying, why compare Snickers and Reese's? Both are great. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Interesting. Sorry. We're going to have to Sorry. come back around to this. <laughs> 
I will I will hold my the, my thoughts. <laughs> next episode of When in Romance, the Great Candy Wars of 2020. Yes. I we have to figure out a way to make that romance oriented. But I have faith in us. I do too. Yeah. We can do it. Well, it sounds like a really lovely way to spend some time hearing from some wonderful, brilliant, talented people and not even needing to wear a mask or gloves. That sounds delightful. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, before we get into the rest of our very exciting things, uh, and for what it's worth, I will, as always, link Kissing Books in the show notes. So if for some reason you are not subscribed, or maybe you're not checking your email as much because you're not on a, you know, subway or bus to commute or whatever, make sure you go back into it because there have been some really great book deals, some really great new releases, some really great things that you should be keeping on your radar. So check that link out. But before we get to the rest of our fantastic content, shall we do a sponsor? Let's. And this time we're going to thank Libro FM for sponsoring this episode. Libro FM lets you purchase audiobooks directly from your favorite local independent bookstore at the same price as Audible for a monthly membership. You can pick from more than 150,000 audiobooks, including New York Times bestsellers and some of the hottest new audiobook releases, like Such a Fun Age by Kylie Reed, Untamed by Glennon Doyle, Wow, No Thank You by Samantha Irby, and The Glass Hotel by Emily St. John Mandel. Listeners of When in Romance can get a three-month audiobook membership for the price of one month. That's Libro.fm, code BR3, to get three months of audiobooks for the price of one. Whew, audiobooks. <laughs> that sounds like an even more compelling offer than it did yesterday, Jess. I don't know. Something's changed. I don't know what it is. I, Some, like, it's probably going into that weekend knowing that, uh, yeah. you know, I have some files to organize, which, <laughs> don't get me wrong, is going to be an exciting adventure in and of itself, but even better with Samantha Irby by my side. Oh, yes. Yes, indeed. Well, in continuing with our new grand tradition, I think it can be both new and grand. Yes, yes, it can. We watched another adaptation, and this episode's adaptation was Can You Keep a Secret, a 2019 rom-com based on a originally published 2003 book by um, Sophie and Sala. And you had read the book, Jess, and so do you want to give like kind of a sense of the book, the movie, the story, the plot, the humans, whatever? Sure. So the movie, which I came across just... Randomly scrolling through HBO looking for anything to watch, any anything at all. Like Trisha mentioned, was filmed and produced in 2019. And it stars a young woman who is sort of a junior marketing assistant, I guess, for a company that has way too many products, if you think about it. Yeah, actually, that's a really good point. I hadn't thought about that until you mentioned it. But yeah, they talk about a lot of different things. So many panda things. Yes, but not like actual panda. Like as far. No well, actually, you know what? Things. I don't know. I'm. Assuming. We don't know. <laughs> I'm assuming. What are those panda bites made of? It's true. Nobody knows. We're assuming it's just <laughs> like a logo branding thing. But you know what? We can't get into that rabbit hole. It's a Friday night. It's try number two. <laughs> Set it aside, everyone. Sorry, Jess. Continue. Variety of All panda right. products. Panda products. Um, and we are introduced to Emma. Um, when she is trying to get their a product into a business and does horribly, horribly wrong. Um, so she's very sad and gets drunk at the airport and gets on a plane that suddenly might not stay in the air. And she and her uh, roommate, she tells a lot of things to her roommate because she thinks she's about to die and just wants to, you know, bear her soul to someone, anyone, whatever. So the plane does not crash and she goes about her business and at work the next day finds out that the owner of the company who isn't around very much is coming for a visit. And guess who it is? The roommate? It's the roommate. <laughs> also, I think you just invented the term roommate, and I'm 100% on board with it. I don't know. What do you call that? <laughs> you call it a roommate. <laughs> and so um, now there is this guy who owns the company that she works for and knows a lot about her and the people around her. And they have a level of chemistry that leads to 
things happening and a relationship and a happy ending. And that's the gist. I read this book almost 10 years ago. It was like eight years ago. I think I read it in 2012. And the thing that immediately stood out to me about the adaptation of the movie is that all of the things that she's saying, well, whatever similar things that she's saying, because I'm not sure if it's word for word. I haven't picked up the book in a while. You don't know that she's saying them to someone until the end of the first chapter. And that's kind of like a, oh no, yeah. moment where you, when you're watching, you obviously know Im- immediately because this isn't the beginning of the book like it is in the book. It's, you, you've already sort of gotten to know who she is a little bit. Um, and you get to know a lot more <laughs> during that scene. And I, since it's been so long since I've read the book, and I am not a rereader, as we've discussed, um, I only mostly remember the feeling of reading it. Like, I remember really enjoying that opening scene and the oh no discovery. And I remember this being one of my favorite Sophie Kinsella books, because um, some of hers are almost too embarrassing to actually finish. Like, there are definitely books I've put back on the shelf that she's written because I've been so embarrassed for the narrator that I just can't keep going. Um, and this might be one of those if I was reading it now, but apparently I just really needed that laugh back in 2012. So it still has the essence of, of the novel, I think, but it is very different because there are almost two decades between them. That was a lot. I'm sorry, Trisha. Oh, please. Are you still yeah, there? hundred <laughs> percent. I am here and hanging on your every word because... This is the fun thing about doing this twice, is that we're talking about slightly different things, which is great. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. That embarrassment thing is very real, because I think one of the really important points that you make is that the book starts out very differently, and that you don't get hit with that sort of wave of embarrassment until the end of the chapter, and then you get it. I feel like Mm -hmm. the stakes don't feel as high in the film because you're watching this woman, Emma, tell this guy, Jack. Is his name Jack? Their names are always Jack. It's Jack. I think it's They are always 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 Jack. Jack. (laughs) We'll assume Jack. Anyway, uh, she's telling – and, like, you can see on his face that he's actually very charmed by her while Mm -hmm. she's doing – all of this discussion. But then one of the things that one of the things you said yesterday that I that rang very true for me is that there's a very key moment sort of preceding the dark moment of secondhand like that you you as the viewer get the secondhand humiliation feeling that mm-hmm. is very hard to watch. And it's so it just drags on. And then all of the people start singing Demons by Imagine Dragons, and trust me, <laughs> that will make sense if you watch this movie. I cannot imagine that that was the reference in the book because I don't think Imagine Dragons got big until like what 2012 or so. So probably. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, yeah. point being, I I feel like probably they were able to capture some of that feeling of embarrassment or like awkwardness or like cringy humor from the book into the film, but I'm guessing mm-hmm. they lost some of it too. You know, like, just the fact that you can see her, you can see, again, how charmed he is by her as she's making these confessions. And one of the things that I think is really interesting about this, and we've talked about point of view before, but the film very Mm -hmm. much comes across as a kind of third person solo POV, right? Like, you don't see any of his perspective, really, except through her eyes. You only see him through her eyes which starts to matter more and more throughout the story. And I think that's the appropriate choice. But I also think it, it, you know, creates a different kind of a story. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, you know, the whole concept of can you keep a secret? (laughs) Actually, does she ever say that? Because I feel like that's that's somewhere in the beginning of the book. But that's another thing entirely. The big conflict that evolves is that he knows much more about her than she does about him. And as we watch it, we really only see him in what she sees. Like you said, it is very much third person, one point of view. So we don't even see him like in his office unless she's bringing him a file. Like Mm -hmm. there is absolutely no perspective of this person outside of her, her zone. Yeah. And I think, you know, one of the things we talked about is that, you know, Deadly Sexy was 
you know, per your reading of the book, which again, uh, was another adaptation that I've seen the film, but haven't read the book was a very Mm -hmm. loyal to kind of the script, right of of the Mm -hmm. story and captured all of the beats. And there's some good in that. But it made for a very long film with some things that maybe could have been cut out. And this one almost felt like the opposite because this one's yes. only like 90 minutes, right? So it's a solid hour or so shorter than Deadly Sexy and probably moves – there are certain pieces of it that felt a little bit like, oh, I bet that was more fleshed <laughs> out in the book probably because this is – and I don't – again, I will go on record as saying I am pro – film that is under two hours so i am not complaining about that i just think totally. it's hard to find that balance you know yeah it really is like i probably mentioned this before but the actual evolution of their relationship from jokey in the office to i'm in love mm-hmm. is so brief in it's the movie. like a charming montage <laughs> like <laughs> <laughs> um that it's like so <laughs> How did this happen? Mm-hmm. Maybe if I read the book, I'll find out. Yeah. But it it very much has the feel of your actual movie rom-com, mm-hmm. which has that same kind of like happy montage yeah. of <laughs> I tripped over you and looked at you and now we're in love. Like there's that, that same kind of feeling. And there's like a poppy late 90s, early 2000s song playing in the background <laughs> while we yep. like adorably brush our teeth together or whatever. In fairness, I don't think they actually brush their teeth together, but you know, whatever. It's fine. Yeah, you know. I, I don't think they yeah, do. But, but they might have. Everyone knows that scene. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it ended up on the cutting room floor. We all know. <laughs> and I will say, I, mm, I have sort of some feelings about the main characters that we can get into or not, but Laverne Cox is amazing in this film. Uh, she plays the, like, the boss of the office, you know, obviously mm-hmm. – Jack slash probably Jack is the like owner of the company, but Laverne Cox is is the office, you know, kind of manager and is wonderful, both in that she clearly is like not going to take any stuff from anyone. But also there's a scene, very short scene towards the end, probably like after that embarrassment thing that we talked about, um, where she is talking with Emma and it's this amazing combination of sort of supportive and understanding. And it's just like all of the things you would want in a boss. And it was a good like kind of reminder to me that the supporting cast in this is very solid and probably underused in a way, but just really, really strong. Yeah, not only solid, but like, there aren't that many people. So I don't want to go too high in percentages. But like 75% of the cast are people of color. And it really is like the main characters, like the two people, and the other like most annoying people in the cast are white, and everyone else, yeah, mm-hmm. are people of color. Her roommates, like her work husband. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I hate that term. I do too, but people will know what you're talking about. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's just like you look around, and it is a very thoroughly diverse cast of people who people of color people of different gender and sexual orientations it's just like it's it's perfect (laughs) it is and it's kind of amazing like it's unfortunate that it's so noticeable because it Mm -hmm. the only reason it's noticeable is because it's so uncommon and it should be so much more like it should i don't know things should just be better but things should be better but yeah, it's a fantastic group of people. And a lot of the comedy comes from those folks, too. To me, the comedy mm-hmm. felt a little bit uneven. Some of the stuff I was, like, very much on board with. And then there were other things that I was like, I, mm, we're making fun of yeah. someone in a way that kind of feels a little uncomfortable. But eh. but by and large, I thought, you know, solid adaptation. Although I will say, boy, that, that main couple, I, <laughs> they're lovely. Uh, I, you know, so Emma is played by, oh, Alexandra Daddario. The thing about Emma is that she's not, to me, that likable, but not in, like, an interesting unlikable way. Like, it's not like, oh, unlikable heroine, blah. I'm like, no, like, it's not even that. They think she's likable because she's sort of a mess. 
And I'm like, yeah, she's sort of a mess because she only cares about herself and what she's doing. <laughs> like, the thing that makes her unlikable isn't that, like, she doesn't comb her hair. It's that, like, she doesn't care about anyone else. And, th- and that's, like, not fair because she does care about her best friend slash roommate and, you know, slash, which is different than her roommate, by the way, uh, <laughs> as discussed earlier. Um, yes. <laughs> but, like... There's a part of me that, like, as soon as Jack is all into her immediately, I'm like, really? Why? Because she's, <laughs> not only is she kind of a terrible person, but, like, she's full on telling you. So, also, can I just say, like, she did this terrible presentation where, like, she shook up a carbonated beverage and then opened <laughs> it and got it all over everyone as if she didn't know that was going to happen. Then she's in a hotel bar getting to be clear, like sloshed. Like she's ordering more and more drinks. There's a flight attendant in that bar seeing this happen who decides to just be like, oh, let me offer you an upgrade. It seems like you're having a bad day. I'm like, what? No, that's a terrible idea. You need to sit that woman like as far away from your section as possible, ma'am. Like, what are you thinking? But that is what ends up putting her in Jack's row. And so it's fine. But I just like, I don't... I don't know. I mean, she's fine by the end. Like, you kind of get why she's terrible to people because they're kind of terrible too. But also, though, why is she getting upgraded? I guess is my question. Why are they upgrading Emma? Because the plane is half empty. And why not? Well, I mean, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> maybe in 2003, that was a thing. And now in May of 2020, probably still a thing. So fair. Yeah. Yeah. Right now. It's a good guess as any, Jess. Any other hot takes on, I feel like you had some feelings about uh, Jack's level of attractiveness yesterday when we talked about it. I mean, okay, I, I did not watch Teen Wolf. I missed that one while I was in grad school. But I know that face. And that was actually what made me stop while I was scrolling because Tyler Hoechlin is the current Superman if you are not a CW person. And... Honestly, just watching this movie on mute and watching that man stupid smile with his bearded face might just be a great life choice. Now, if you don't find Tyler Hawkland attractive, that's fine. Then, yeah, fair enough. That's that's fine. To each their Th- own. Fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> also, Alexander Daddario is adorable and has these very, very striking blue eyes that You kind of have to follow across the screen, (laughs) but that's another thing. It's true. (laughs) It is a very attractive central cast in terms of just sort of like innate qualities. Innate qualities. So if you just need to not pay attention to something and have something on that you just want to look at every once in a while, this is not a terrible choice. But it's also an entertaining movie if you go into it knowing that you are going to be embarrassed for people. And some of the comedy might not land. (laughs) Yeah. This is solidly, like, I don't think either of us are telling you, like, you definitely have to pay the HBO membership or whatever, watch this movie. But if you haven't already, maybe you had, like, a remote Zoom boozy brunch (laughs) with some of your friends. It's one (laughs) o'clock on a Saturday. And you're like, you know, I could just use, like, a nice, nice fun rom-com. This is for that. This is <laughs> this is for what that is. Like, post-boozy brunch, not really in the mood for a nap, can you keep a secret is the path you want to wander down. It's a good path. Yeah, it really is. Honestly, these days, you find the path of, of most happiness, and I feel like this could be that for you. For some of you, anyway. For others of you, you will be emailing us and being like, what were you talking about? This was not for me. <laughs> so... We look forward to those messages also. Yes, yes. And do keep letting us know uh, what we should be taking a look at in the adaptation world, what you like, what you don't like, what you're wondering about. I mean, we're here. We're here to serve. We're here to serve the people. Yes, that is what we do. Speaking of which, we'll be doing more of that in just a minute. But before we do, I would like to give a quick shout out to Book Riot Insiders, the digital hangout spot for the Book Riot community which is you. If you are listening to this, you're part of the community. Welcome. And you can enrich your reading life while you're stuck at home with our Book Riot Insiders perks. We've got three levels to insiders. There's short story, novel, and the epic level. Get it? They're book themed. It's adorable. 
And you can try out any level for free for two weeks. The highlight is the group read hosted online, available to all Epic members. And there's no cap on Epic, so the more the merrier. Each quarter, we'll read a book voted on by Epic subscribers that will fulfill at least one task of the 2020 Read Harder Challenge and cap off our read-along with a live chat. But wait, there's more. And you can find out what that is by getting the full details on this and all the other perks and signing up at insiders.bookriot.com. That's insiders.bookriot.com. So let us know if you guys are headed over to Insiders. Maybe uh, we can jump on there too and, and find out. I mean, we are Insiders members already, but if you guys are doing the group read, I don't know, maybe I'll do it too. We'll see. Let us know. Speaking of reading. Oh, gosh. I feel like we recommend a lot of books on this show, Jess, but in some ways, I also feel like we only recommend a few. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes it feels like that. Yes, it does. And so, you know, sometimes it's it's helpful for all those folks who've heard us highlight those few over and over again to maybe take it a new, a new direction. Or try. Yeah. Or try. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I, yeah. Do you want to talk a little bit about this, what we're doing next? So Trisha came to me with this idea and I thought it was brilliant because sometimes I do feel like I am recommending the same five names or five titles all the time. And it might not feel that way to you because I do try to intersperse, but you know, maybe you want to hear something different. So Trisha offered up read-alikes for books that we talk about too much. She didn't actually say it like that, <laughs> but... <laughs> I mean, I basically did. <laughs> <laughs> and I will say the idea came to me because within one like 12 hour time span, I got requests for readalikes for The Widow of Rose House and also for Can't Escape Love by Alyssa Cole. And I started to think like, oh, oh, yeah, <laughs> we always tell people to read those books and then don't also tell them what else to read next always. So, yeah. 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 So Here now we are. are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And, um, oh, first of all, shout out to Vanessa, who asked about The Widow of Rose House, and um, to my lovely sister-in-law, who asked about Can't Escape Love Relikes, which we're actually, I don't think, going to talk about today. No, sorry. But maybe we'll do this again. We'll try. Kristen, we'll get there. Don't you? I, I sent her some over. I am. It's fine. I am. That's not even a real thing. <laughs> Apparently, I'm stuck in the age of Can You Tell a Secret by Sophie Kinsella. Uh DM. <laughs> DM of, anyway, no one cares. All right. I'm going to let you start because you have more of these. God, can you imagine, like, if we did this a third time, would I do better? Probably not. It would probably <laughs> still be like this. Now you all know this is just the best I can do. It's part of her charm. <laughs> I appreciate your defending me to our, to our When in Romance listeners. All right. You have more of these than I do, so I will let you uh, take the lead on this at first, Jess. All right. Um, so it will come as no surprise that even though, um, Trisha mentioned a title that, um, could possibly come up way too often in this situation, um, the author that I feel like, I don't talk about her too much because you can't, but I talk about her a lot and maybe you want to read something different is Alyssa Cole. And the book that I thought of read-alikes for, because it is the first in a series, is A Princess in Theory. Because I will always tell you to read that one first, even though I occasionally pick and choose Reluctant Royals books. But if you're going to read the Reluctant Royals, read them all. And because I am not very creative, when thinking of read-alikes for A Princess in Theory, I thought of other books with princess in the title. One of them has a princess princess and one of them has a prince looking for his princess and the prince looking for his princess is in the princess trap by talia hibbert another author that i talk about not too much but a lot but i don't really talk about the princess trap um very much which i think was my first talia hibbert book but this one much like um a princess in theory features a royal who lives in a country that doesn't really exist who is just absolutely charmed by Cherry, the uh, female protagonist in this book, and uh, through a few different types of shenanigan, ends up contracting her into being his fake fiancé and coming to their royal home to play it out. And uh, when I say contracting her, I mean, like, there is paperwork signed. And... <laughs> 
if you've read A Princess in Theory, you know that the second half of that book features a similar plot point. So um, you might be looking for things that have, you know, really hot people pretending to be in love and then falling in love. Aww. (laughs) Adorable. (laughs) Adorable. And the other princess book that I thought of is The Princess Affair by Nell Stark. It is a a women-loving-women romance featuring a sort of it-girl celebrity-type princess who is trying to sort of come out of the limelight and the stodgy scholar who doesn't want to fall in love with her, but, you know, things happen. What? It's a romance. (laughs) Princess shenanigans are my favorite kind of shenanigans. They're good shenanigans. Yeah. Do you want to give us that title one more time? It is The Princess Affair by Nell Stark. Lovely. My first, you know, I probably the book that I have both talked about the most in the last six months and also have read the most in the last six months because I've read it three times is The Widow <laughs> of Rose House by Diana Biller. I am very much on record as being very much on board. And when I got a request for a kind of read-alike the main focus of the request was for a main character who is as mature and communicative. I think specifically a male main character who is as mature and communicative as Sam in The Widow of Rose Houses because Sam is just delightful and the best. And a lot of mm-hmm. times in romance, the main characters who are male don't get to have, they're like broody and like, <laughs> like cranky and have to be convinced and they need like a manic pixie dream girl and blah 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 anyway it's obnoxious so i started thinking about what some of the books that might have some things in common with the widow of rose house and the first that i will mention is glitterland by alexis hall that we have talked about i think a little bit on the show maybe not a ton but it's um it felt very similar to the widow of rose house to me in that it's it's contemporary it's a it's a male male romance but there's um ash is one of the main male characters one of the main characters who is dealing with a lot he's dealing with clinical depression he's dealing with his career not kind of turning out the way he thought it would and he happens to meet darian who is one of my favorite characters in all romance ever darian is just very much a he knows who he is and he knows where he fits and he he's kind of goofy and kind of not sophisticated or polished but he doesn't care like he knows who he is and he's really comfortable in it and he's comfortable with the friends that he's made and he knows who's important to him and he's not in any way pretentious and he also knows when he has to stop he has to kind of draw a line in the sand at some point like he's very welcoming to ash and bringing ash into his friend group and into his life and into his world but they do hit a point where darian kind of has to say like no i this is not like we can't do this and spoiler alert it works out uh but (laughs) That's a, I think that's a really lovely example. Another one that came to mind is um, a book that Jess recommended to me, which is It Takes Two to Tumble by Cat Sebastian. Um, and Ben is another hero who is just very kind of kind and nice and, and lovely and, and certainly has some of his own baggage that he's got to work through related to his family and his history and his sexuality. But he just, it's a sound of music sort of connected like kind of based on a little bit um kind of a story <laughs> philip the other main character is is a is a sea captain you know as was captain von trapp perhaps you remember but philip is very cranky and just kind of you know obnoxious and ben is just sort of like willing to meet everyone where they are and he's very patient he's great with the kids and he's just lovely and kind and he's doing his best and then the last one that i'll mention is a little bit different, but stick with me. So <laughs> Slave to Sensation by Nalini Singh is the first book in the Psy Changeling series. And Lucas does not necessarily have the same sort of generous heart and kindness in the same. He's a great guy, but he doesn't have necessarily those same things as Ben and Darian and Sam. But this book is a is very much a it's divided between the Psy, who are very cold and logical. And what did we say is the Star Trek? Vulcan type people. As always, feel free to make Star Trek references if you do not watch a lot of Star Trek, everyone. Uh, and then that's like Sasha, right? That's kind of her side of things. And then the um, changelings are these shifters who are like very much led by emotion and that kind of energy. And I, I don't want to go. There's 
I could talk for 15 minutes about it and still not even give you like a great sense of it. But <laughs> I'm not a huge SFF reader. And this book really drew me in because there is very much that same kind of Lucas being willing to bring Sasha into sort of his life and his community and his family in the same way that Sam does in The Widow of Rose House. And so that's Slave to Sensation. So those are a few, they're all a little bit different. So take a look and see what seems like it makes sense for you. But I think a lot of them have some of those same beats as you will find in The Widow of Rose House. You know, Slave to Sensation is probably the longest standing book that I have owned and not read. I mean, that's (gasps) not true. Like, that's obviously not true, but it feels like I've had it and I've stared at it for so long. And I'm so afraid because there's so many side changeling books. It's true. But I will say I've only read like the first three and I've taken at least a year between reading each of those three. So Mm. what I'm hearing is we just found the next when in romance book club book. (laughs) So we'll see. We did. We'll it's, see. It's, it's been a while. It has. It has. And I don't think we've done an SFF book club book. I don't think we have. All right. That's yet another conversation for another day. Another day. We'll come yes, back to it. Let's move on. Yes. <laughs> I'm making a note, though. I'm making a note. Yes, ma'am. Another book that I feel like I've mentioned several times, either in passing or as a direct recommendation, is Aisha at Last by Uzma Lalundin. And what I wanted to do was not do the same thing that I am prone to do. You remember I mentioned that I am not creative. And I disagree, but I respect your perspective. (laughs) Because one thing that a lot of us do, um, especially falling into that trap of Pride and Prejudice retellings, is to find other Pride and Prejudice retellings. So while I will mention them, they are not officially recommendations unless you haven't read them, at which point you should. Um, and those are Sophia Khan is not obliged, which Jen Northington mentioned during our Austin episode, and I proceeded to read immediately. And Pride, Prejudice, and Other Flavors by Sonali Dave, because we've talked about that a lot, too. But one book that I did want to mention, which is also a Pride and Prejudice retelling featuring um, South Asian main characters, is Unmarriageable. I don't really talk about that one very much, in part because I, as a reader, personally did not latch on to the characters. I thought the writing was fantastic, and the setting was great. It's actually Pride and Prejudice in Pakistan, which is very different from the rest of them, which feature either Indian American, Indian Canadian, or Pakistani American, or Pakistani Canadian main characters, and not the story outside of North America. So if you are running out of Pride and Prejudice retellings featuring Muslim or South Asian characters, Unmarriageable by Sonia Kamal might be something worth checking out. And like I said, I did not latch onto the characters, but they are very much Pride and Prejudice characters. I honestly don't know how much I would latch on to Elizabeth Bennett and uh, Fitzwilliam Darcy now because they're kind of horrible. But (laughs) (laughs) that is yet another conversation for another episode. (laughs) Another conversation for another episode since they've been in my brain for 20 years. It's a completely (laughs) different thing. And uh, another book that gives me the same feeling that Aisha at last does, this sort of warm, fuzzy feeling for the people and the setting and the events that, as they unfold, is Love Lettering by Kate Claiborne. And that one just has the same kind of, like, something happens where they clash immediately, and then they have to sort of get to know each other as certain things unfold, and it's very slow, and it's very, like, heartwarming- And you get to know each of the characters a little more as the book progresses, which is surprisingly not common. Like, obviously, you always get to know more about the people, but it's so deliberate in love lettering that, like, worlds are unfurling as you read it. (laughs) Apparently, I have a lot of feelings about this book that I didn't know. (laughs) I mean, worlds are unfurling. Might be the strongest sentiment that you have uttered on When in Romance in the last several months, at least. That's very dramatic. Wow. So, yeah, Love Lettering by Kate Claiborne. Let let the worlds unfurl. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, 
Fair. Yeah. And one that I just want to mention, I have not progressed any further than I was yesterday. Um, (laughs) (laughs) That's so honest of you. No one would have known. (laughs) Um, The Marriage Game, which I just started, um, I, I mistakenly picked up a book that comes out in June. You all know that I don't read ahead much. And it's just, it's really delightful. And the family, the family relationships in this book, so far, I'm not very far in, really remind me of those in Aisha at last. So if you came into Aisha at last really enjoying the relationship between the siblings and the cousins and the aunties and everybody else, then check out The Marriage Game by Sarah Desai, which comes out, I think, June 9th. All right. So one of the many series that uh, probably maybe the series that I've talked about more than any other on this show is the Twisted Wishes series by Anna Zabo, which I very much love. And if you haven't read it, feel free to just pause the podcast, go read all those three (laughs) books and then come on back. But it's about a band of, you know, all kinds of different people who are all in different kinds of, you know, queer relationships and nothing says 21st century band like a historical romance about a writer (laughs) and an architect but stick with me everybody this is gonna be a comparison that makes sense so i just read a book called the rakis which has just come out within the last week or so probably even as you hear this by scarlett peckham and it's the two main characters are seraphina and adam and she has been cast out of society she had a love affair as a teenager and that man ended up marrying someone else and there was a lot of trash talk about her and it was you know as those sorts of books do but what she did was kind of like lean in to that Mm. aspect of her life and so now she's a adult woman in her 30s who kind of sleeps with whoever she wants and does whatever she wants and has is become a part of this very small community she has two very close friends and kind of a mentor who are all cast out in various different ways and fighting for the rights of women Nothing that she is saying will seem ridiculous to anyone in 2020, (laughs) although unfortunately some of it is still not actualized. Um, Mm. But Adam is a widower who has two small children and has to kind of navigate the bonds of his career so that he can care for his family. And it's just a really great story of it is rare to see female main characters acting the way that Serafina does and kind of damaged and flawed and unlikable sometimes in the way that she can be and some of that is because of very real struggles that she's dealing with both past trauma and addiction issues and i will say that lots of content warnings on this one there is like i said addiction miscarriage pregnancy substance abuse parental at least emotional abuse and a lot of it doesn't happen on page but some of it does and so just do be cautious but it is a it's a good solid book about people having to find their own families and having to find their communities even when they shouldn't necessarily have to and being cast out by the people that should be accepting them unconditionally and the only other book i will mention related to that one is this is a very different kind of a feel but um <laughs> hot and badgered by shelley lawrenston is one that we've talked about before and it's very hard to even explain what is happening in this book so i'm not really gonna try except (laughs) to say that much like any other of shelly lawrenson's books she's so funny her characters are lovely and there's so much more about i shouldn't say more but they're at least as much about the friendships and the relationships and the family relationships between the characters as they are the romantic ones and so if you are interested in that kind of community feel in a romance and have not checked out shelly lawrenson Hot and Badgered is a great option, and we've talked about some of her other books before. And the other one that I was going to talk about is uh, The Lady's Guide to Celestial Mechanics. However, I feel <laughs> However. like Jess has uh, has some thoughts. Well, I really thought that I talked about this book a lot, and you told me that I don't, but I'm still going to talk about it. And maybe it's because we talked about it for a good month and a half when we did the the book club. Yeah, that's fair. You know, maybe I mention it more on Kissing Books because I feel like I, I talk about it a lot, but who knows? Maybe I'm just wrong, which is highly likely also. And you know, we always have sort of a, a, an exacerbated uh, feeling of what and why we're talking about things. So who knows? But anyway, The Lady's Guide to Celestial Mechanics by Olivia Waite. And the first book that I want to throw out as a read-alike for that is... The only one that is also a historical romance featuring two women, 
but it is actually a 1920s romance. It takes place early in the 1920s in England. They have been through the Great War, and now the main character's father is trying to make partnerships to make more money, because if not, then what do you do? So she is sort of the sensible one in the family and already plans to get old, become a spinster, and take care of her family's household after her parents die. Like She has no feelings about marriage whatsoever, but her father's business partner is coming and he's bringing his wild young daughter, <laughs> the New York debutante who uh, says all the wrong things, does all the wrong things, and needs a good influence. But, of course, what happens? The lovely, perfect, stodgy daughter starts to um, loosen up a little bit around the American who smokes, wears dresses too short, and cut her hair. Hmm. So. <laughs> Loosens up, you say. Interesting. Loosens up. It is a shorter book than The Lady's Guide to Celestial Mechanics and is a bit less angsty. It still has, you know, all of the beats of a romance, a dark moment, and hooray, they're back together. But it's definitely a fluffier book, but it's still got some good meat to it. So that's How to Talk to Nice English Girls by Gretchen Evans. It has a beautiful purple cover with kind of a deco drawing on the front, which is what drew me to it. And then I was like, oh, this is a great book. Another book that I want to mention is Life is Sweet by Lily Seabrook, which is a much shorter book. <laughs> Apparently, when it comes to reading either lesbians or other women who fall in love with women, I read a lot of novellas. It's been a long time since I've read a short novel or a longer novel, and I'm not sure why. But back to Life is Sweet by Lily Seabrook. Life is Sweet is actually the name of the candy store that one of the protagonists owns. And much like The Lady's Guide to Celestial Mechanics, there is sort of a patron patrony relationship. What is the actual? I don't know. So the way that she and her love interest meet is that a, gosh, why is this one also very stodgy? Like uptight, owns a Maserati, very wealthy businesswoman who hates her job, but loves her work, I guess you would call it, realizes that she needs to get her sister a gift and remembers that she likes candy. So she goes into the store and the other protagonist who owns the candy store has broken one of the dispensers. So she's just holding it shut, keeping jelly beans from falling all over the store. As one does. <laughs> Sounds right. So, so the customer helps her out while she helps another customer. And they get to meeting and there is an incident with the candy store owner's ex- so there, I will add this book requires a couple content warnings for a past emotionally abusive relationship and some family issues dealing with that relationship and the fact that the ex is actually better friends with the family than she is. So there's there's family stuff and former relationship stuff that might also have gotten a little physical. So if, if that's not a thing for you, maybe avoid this book. And hey, guess what? A fake relationship comes out of it. So what? What? So there is a fake relationship that builds out of pretending for a moment while someone threatening is in the room that you are in a relationship with someone to actually building it out in sort of a contractual agreement, but not to the point where there are papers signed. And I'm talking about it like it's really serious, but it's actually very delightful. I mean, it's called Life is Sweet, and there's candy everywhere. I was just going to say, it's in a candy store. <laughs> <laughs> there's a candy store. You know, can't be too terrible, hopefully. Yeah, and also I, I will mention um, Lily Seabrook, the author, is a trans woman. There aren't very m many trans women romance authors that I know of, so I definitely want to get her name out there because she is a delightful writer and I've read a few of her things. So yeah, Life is Sweet by Lily Seabrook. And I'm just going to throw out one more, which is another very cute, very short, sort of patron-ish relationship thing. 
And that's Being Hospitable by Mika James. And it's um, contemporary and less patron-y, patron-ing. We're going to figure this out by the next episode. <laughs> I swear. I we'll get it. We'll get there. By the next episode. It's mostly like a family friend. One protagonist lets their friend's younger sibling stay with them while she's doing an internship um, and finishing up school. And uh, the younger sibling has always had a crush on her. And is trying to seduce her around the house by, you know, wearing tiny clothes and that kind of thing. <laughs> it's just adorable. And also very, very sexy. So if you want that part of Lady's Guide to Celestial Mechanics, then check out Being Hospitable by Mika James. And just to be clear, Jess, when you say that part, do you mean the adorable slash sexy part? Is that yes. so we're talking? Okay. Just wanted, yes. just wanted to double check. That sounds lovely. All of those have been added to my TBR. Yay. I wonder, we could do another round or we could hold off maybe till next episode because despite, you know, having a relatively short agenda this time, we are, <laughs> um, we're probably knocking on an hour. Yeah. Why don't we do that? Then more things for you to think about. Exactly. Uh, actually, this is perfect. Let us know what books we're constantly talking about that all of you like that you are looking for read-alikes for, and we will try to provide them. We have a few built in because we did not get through our full list, but we would love to hear <laughs> what you want. Yeah, exactly. Which ones uh, do we not even realize that we talk about all the time? Or have we only even mentioned once, but you're looking for a read-alike for? Let us know. We love to hear from you. Yeah. And let us know what you thought of Can You Keep a Secret? Or if you're not going to watch that or have no interest in it, let us know uh, what you think about what other books we should be looking at adaptations for. Yes, yes, we should. Speaking of adaptations, this is just like a random bit of toss out news. Did you see the news about Lissa K. Adams's romance book series being picked up by Netflix? Yeah, which congratulations. That's pretty rad. Yes. And, you know, I, I love Lissa and I love the romance books that I've read so far. I will, however, say how that happened before The Reluctant Royal. I mean, a very fair question. <laughs> a very fair question. I mean, that is the thing. I think more than one thing can be true. We can be super excited for Lissa K. Adams and for that series and also feel like there are some other books. That we are also, there is plenty of space out there, everybody. Yes, there is. Look at those Virgin River ratings. Netflix, you can do more of this. I'm also keeping my eye out because I know that the Alexa Martin series is, that starts with Intercepted, is being adapted. I'm, I'm ready for it. I'm ready for it, too. I'm so ready. <sighs> We're going to get there. All right, everybody, let us know what you're thinking. Let us know what you're reading. Let us know uh, what you would like to hear us talk more about. And there are a variety of ways to do that. Yes, there are. You can email us at womeninromance at bookriot.com. Or you can find us on the socials. I am at Jess's Reading, all one word on Twitter. Or Jess underscore is underscore reading on Instagram. And I am at Trisha Haley Brown on both. I have not been on Twitter a ton lately, so I will tell you Instagram is probably the better way to catch me. Or like Jess said, you can get us at Romance at bookriot.com. Feel free if you've got a minute to rate or review or both the podcast. It helps other people find it. And in the meantime, we hope you're all doing okay. We know this is a rough time and we're grateful that you're taking the time to listen to us talk about all of the many important topics of the romance world. <laughs> Very important. And if you are reading, happy reading. Indeed. Happy reading. Safe living. Take care of yourself. Bye.